Hello, my friends, and welcome to The Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for December 22nd is Hebrews chapters 7 through 10. Now, in yesterday's recording, I did say Hebrews 1 through 5, and it should have been 1 through 6, but I was so focused on the first five chapters because chapter 6 begins talking about Melchizedek, and we're going to cover that in more detail today. The last verse of chapter 6, verse 20, says Jesus has entered there behind the curtain in the temple, the Holy of Holies, the most holy place where only the priest was allowed to go once per year. Jesus has entered there on our behalf as a forerunner because he has become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. This Melchizedek. I don't fully understand this. Not that any of us ever fully grasp any concept in Scripture, but this one is definitely more difficult to grasp, for me at least. If you know the story in Genesis of where Lot and Abram separate, Lot goes off and lives outside of Sodom. Abram goes off towards Canaan. There's a war. Some foreign kings come and take Lot captive, and a servant escapes to Abram, who is later to become Abraham, tells him that Lot, his nephew, has been captured and taken away. And so Abram assembles the trained fighting men in his household. There were over 300 of them goes off and defeats the foreign king that had ransacked Sodom and taken Lot captive. Now, Sodom is a filthy place. It's known for its sin, even in that time. And so after Abram defeats those foreign kings and recovers Lot and his household and all of the goods that had been taken from that place, the king of Sodom offers Abram a bounty, saying, basically, you can keep whatever you want. Abram says, no one's ever going to be able to say that you made me rich. So I'm not taking any of it. And in verse 18, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest to God Most High. He blessed him, he blessed Abram, and said, Abram is blessed by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has handed over your enemies to you. And Abram gave him a tenth, or a tithe, of everything. Tithe is 10%. This is 500 years before Moses. Before the law. Before the Aaronic priesthood. The descendants of Levi. This is before we are told that tithing is even a thing. And Abram is giving a tithe to this priest of God Most High named Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. And he's king of Salem, which means king of peace. So in a physical sense, he's king of Jerusalem. You may have a footnote in your Bible in Genesis 14. So this priest of God forever, in Hebrews 7, verse 3, without father, mother, or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, 
but resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Resembling the Son of God. Commentaries I've read in the past would equate this to a Christophany, an Old Testament pre-incarnate appearing of Jesus Christ himself. King of righteousness, king of peace. But how could Jesus be a priest according to his own order? I think it's just deeper than what we're equipped to understand. In chapter 7, verse 9, Levi himself has paid a tenth through Abraham, for he was still within his ancestor, or literally within his loins, when Melchizedek met him. So Abram, hundreds of years before Moses and Aaron and Levi, were alive, Levi pays a tenth through the actions of his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. Does this give us a clue into the idea that the younger generation stands on the shoulder of their predecessor? My floor is my father's ceiling. Your ceiling is your child's floor. And we are being built up in the faith, continually going higher and leveling up from glory to glory, becoming more like our God who is in heaven. In the same way, Levi benefited from Abram's tithing to Melchizedek. We, as believers, benefit from the sacrifice of Jesus, who is a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And what's true in the physical, biologically, from Abram all the way down to Levi, is so much stronger and truer in a spiritual sense. This also shows us that there is another order, there's another covenant, there's another testament. By God's grace, this physical world is just a shadow of what is to come. The order of Melchizedek was established before the order of the law that came through Moses on Mount Sinai. The order of Melchizedek is older than Abraham. And if this Melchizedek is without father or mother or genealogy, then this order of Melchizedek is older even than sin itself. And so, before sin ever entered the world, God had already made a way, a better way, than the Old Testament tabernacle ways of offering sacrifices, slaughtering animals, and sprinkling their blood on the altar. There was always a better way. But people were not able to enter into it. They didn't see it. I think a few entered in. Certainly Abraham did. And I believe David did, too. I believe David met Melchizedek. It was in Psalm 110 where David wrote, Quoting God, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Speaking of Jesus Christ, David was given insight. He was writing down the conversations between Jesus and God the Father. Abraham was a friend of God. David was a man after God's own heart. Neither of them were perfect. Both of them caved to fear at times. And yet, by faith, they entered in to this 
kindred relationship with the creator of all because of their great faith in God's character, in God's goodness, in his willingness and desire to bless his people. Jesus did not become a priest based on a legal regulation about genealogical descent like the priests in the Old Testament did. Jesus became a priest according to the order of Melchizedek based on the power of a supernatural, incorruptible life. And that's why it could be prophesied about him, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Remember, Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Melchizedek was the king of peace, the king of Salem. Jesus is our king of peace, king of righteousness. And it's based on the power of his incorruptible, indestructible life that we have this hope that we enter into the faith of going before the throne of God's grace with boldness and asking him for whatever we need. Think about being a friend. Christians often pray prayers of asking God for something like he's Santa Claus. More mature Christians ask God for marching orders. God, what can I do for you today? But this is not how friends speak with one another. What if we were to transition from asking God what he wants us to do to asking God how he's doing? How do we transition from serving God to befriending God? Chapter 8 tells us the gifts prescribed by the law are a shadow of that which is to come. It shows us that this physical realm, everything that we can see and touch and perceive through our five natural senses, are but a shadow of that which is to come. But something greater than that is here. Something more real is here. And at his return, all of the physical stuff will melt away, literally. And all that will be left is what's true, what's lasting, the eternal. And so our focus needs to be on the eternal. And the physical realm, even though it's just a shadow, it's a tool that we can use to expose the things that we desire most of all. And anywhere our desires are not lined up with his desires, it gives us the opportunity to repent and to grow and to become more like him. And so we embrace our trials and our difficulties and our afflictions and our sufferings because they expose the areas where we are incomplete and we don't have much longer here. Some of us have days. Some of us have years, some of us have decades, but a mere couple of decades is not very long at all compared to the eternity that we'll be spending after this final thin veil fades away. This new covenant is really an old covenant, according to the order of Melchizedek, but it's a better covenant. It's an eternal covenant. And since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the reality itself of those things, it can never perfect the worshipers by the same sacrifice 
They continually offer year after year. No, but by the one offering of Jesus Christ, he has made perfect forever those who are sanctified, set apart. This is the covenant I will make with them after those days, declares Yahweh. I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds, and I will never again remember their sins and their lawless acts. Jesus has once and for all completed for us complete and total forgiveness. We do not have to work to earn God's forgiveness. No, but as his friends, we get to love him and be loved by him, enjoy fellowship with him, encourage him as he encourages us, bring him gifts as he lavishes gifts upon us, continually pressing in and sharing this fabulous news with others. Truly an honor, isn't it? God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. We'll see you tomorrow.